Coming up on this episode of East Screen, West Screen, Vicky Zhao crashes our screening, Hong Kong Web Fest is here, another one bites the dust, cinema that is, and we look at the films So Young and The Great Gatsby. This is East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Monday, June 3rd, 2013. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Vox, and joining me, as always, right here from his super-secret location in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Uh, hello, Paul. How are you? Doing good. How are you doing, sir? Just, Just... Very, very busy, uh, yeah. as I think we both are, right? Yes, yeah, extremely busy. We're actually throwing this show together sort of at the last minute on a Monday evening, not our usual recording time, uh, but we've got a very busy week. We'll talk about some of what's going on this week in just a minute in our news section. Um, but uh, yeah, it's hot, getting really hot here in Hong Kong. Um, lots of stuff going on. The weather's kind of, you know, baking us as we uh, get off and go out to work each and every day. Um, but what films are we going to be looking at this week? Uh, for East Screen, we'll be talking about So Young, the hit mainland uh, mainland Chinese drama. Uh, that's the directorial debut of actress Zhao Wei. And uh, for West Screen, uh, I guess I'll be talking about The Great Gatsby, uh, which is not about the uh, hair product. All right. <laughs> All of that and much more coming up right after a little bit of news. All right, so we've got some not technical. Whoops, sorry about that. Not technical <laughs> news uh, for this week. We've got uh, just a few sort of odds and ends to cover before we get on to our movies proper this week. Um, the first up, Vicky Zhao actually crashed our screening of So Young. Uh, she came in uh, with an entourage right at the end of the film after the credits rolled and uh, gave a small sort of, I guess you'd call it a Q and A session. Although yeah. it's quite different from the Q&A sessions I've been in in the past because um, along with Vicky Zhao, we had, of course, a couple of the actors. Uh, Mark Chow was there. and uh, But I noticed like right at the last five minutes of the movie or so, maybe ten minutes of the movie, a bunch of people snuck in and sat in the first row. And I was like, what are they, you know, why are they coming so late? And then it was revealed to me that those were... Uh, fans, I guess, of some of the stars, some of the celebrities. And uh, some of them, I don't know, were they plants to answer some of the questions? Can you enlighten us a little bit on this procedure, Kevin? Well, no. I mean, this weekend, uh, Golden Scene the Distributor, um, actually, this was already uh, uh, promoted pretty well uh, on the internet, uh, that the stars of the film, they were in town to do promotion because the premiere of the film was, uh, uh, the Hong Kong premiere of the film was on Friday night. And that the stars, including uh, uh, Han Gan, 
who is one of the stars, male stars of the film, um, would be doing a tour of all the preview screenings uh, this past weekend. Han Gan is actually quite well known as an idol. He was a member of Super Junior, an ex-member of Super Junior. Um, and if you follow K-pop, you horribly heard of Super Junior. So um, after since he left the group, he he's forged out kind of a, a pretty successful solo career in China. And um, because of his idol pass and, of course, his current... Um, uh, popularity as a solo idol, uh, there are bound to be a lot of local fans who want to see him every chance they get. Uh, so I think these people, they bought tickets to all the screenings, and then I guess they saw the film once already because there were multiple screenings over the weekend, and we were one of the last screenings of that weekend. So they already seen the film before, and I guess they didn't want to watch the film all these times, so they just uh, used their ticket to come in and, uh, towards the end and then uh, see the star again. I think that's what happened. Well, I guess that's one way of doing it. Um, I really had no idea that they were going to show up. Uh, I, if I would have known Vicky Zhao was going to come in at the end, I would have dressed more nicely. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, that's kind of once that's because we had a uh, we one well, of the people in our group um, uh, lives very far away from the city, and uh, when I told her that, yeah, you know, the stars are coming, you know, Hangan and Mark Chow, and she's like, yeah, where I'm in, I'm in. She had to, she went and answered email, yeah, I'm in. So, so it was, it, so yeah, the the. Uh, People around us, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't inform you, Paul, but when I informed other people, they, they knew that this was something special because I've never seen Vicky Zhao in person. I think I've seen the other stars, well, not the two female stars, but I think I've seen like like Mark Chow and the other in person. But um, yeah, it's kind of cool that that they're doing this uh promotion, like meeting the stars, because this film. You know, it's a mainland film, and it kind of needs all the promotion and get the success in the mainland doesn't necessarily translate to success here in Hong Kong, so. So yeah, I think this kind of promotional tactic uh, helps the box office of the film. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we will talk more about the film in a little bit. Yeah, it's too bad that uh, like you know Charlie Young and uh, Aaron Kwok and uh, Liu Kaichi didn't show up at my screening of Christmas Rose. <laughs> I, I I think they should be lucky they didn't show up at my screening. <laughs> um, I'm so I'm, I'm I'd be surprised if there was anybody besides yourself at your screening. <laughs> Were there many people there when you saw it? Because you saw it late. I saw it like two days ago, yeah, like yeah. a week in. But uh, yeah, there were about 30, 40 people. Uh, that's, that's not too bad. 30 people. 30 people. That's not too bad. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting to, to see her. I would have liked to, to have asked a question, but we were kind of back and in the middle. I couldn't even really get a decent picture off my camera because um, I was just on my phone. And uh, unfortunately, the most of the Q&A session was kind of down in the front two rows hogged by all the uh, fans with their little signs and everything. Yeah, um, they, and, and all the fans, you know, ask really stupid questions, as idol fans often do. No offense to idol fans who listen to the show. You guys are great people. But the idol fans who don't listen to our show are terrible people who, yep. who hijack Q&As. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, there there is a point that was raised in the Q&A session that I'll get to when we actually talk about the film in just a moment. All right, uh, another bit of news. This is some very Hong Kong localized news. The China Chem Theater has been put to rest. Um, it is one more sort of, uh, you know, uh, old theater that is, you know, finally been closed down. And there are only, you know, less than a handful of these uh, sort of old, non-chain, old Hong Kong style theaters that are still operating. And the China Chem was kind of an interesting place. It was, if I understand correctly, it was owned by Nina Lee's company. Um, yes. Now, if you don't know, if you're listening from overseas, Nina Lee is 
was a very rich uh, billionaire lady, and she was very eccentric over here. She was known for kind of dressing up as a, you know, look trying to look like a little girl, even though she was you know very old. She'd wear hair in pigtails and you know wear kind of flowery, fancy dresses and things. Um, and she was quite the personality. She did a lot of charity work, and and you know she was kind of well liked in Hong Kong when she was alive. There was a bit of there was a lot of controversy of late because of her death and her estate, and um, a guy named Tony Chan, who was, I guess, her feng shui master slash lover, depending on which tabloid you read, and he was after her estate, and it was a whole big battle for the will, and it was you know it was great uh, tabloid uh, TV and 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 print if you're here in Hong Kong to sort of follow along with what's going with, on with that. But she actually established a couple theaters, and this theater in particular is kind of well-known because not only is it a theater, but they used to do sort of a song and dance, a live song and dance show there um, as well. And we've been there to see movies a couple times, and normally the films we watch there, um, I think it has three houses, right? And we would see it in the smallest house, which really is not much bigger than your biggest you know, flat screen TV today. And it actually had a handprint up on the screen. Um, so it was an interesting place to watch movies. And I'm, I'm, I'm a bit saddened that one more of these sort of traditional theaters has now gone by uh, the wayside and is no more. The China Camp Cinema actually used to have uh, five houses. Um, it opened in 1987. Um, and this is when the, tea, uh, the, the East Jim um, Tre area was actually kind of at its peak as a, as a very vibrant area, a uh, very vibrant light, nightlife. Uh, uh, it had a lot of nightclubs. Uh, it was frequented by a lot of different characters, let's just say, um, of different walks of life. And uh, actually, it's one of the only theaters uh, in Hong Kong, uh, even at the time when it was popular, to show films essentially overnight, it was essentially open for 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. It would do these 2 a.m., 4 a.m. shows. They always talk about, yeah, let's go there and watch a 4 a.m. show, but we'd always be too scared because we know it'd be filled with um, packed of triads. And they were still kind of doing that right up until the closing. I mean, you could always see very late-night screenings. And I guess they would get people in there because it is sort of right there at the edge of Tim uh, Tatsui uh, and Hong Ham. Um, so it's very convenient for tourists. It's also very convenient for people who live in, you know, the new territories because you can just hop over to the train if you want to. Um, but yeah, I never made it out to one of those late night screenings because I was always a little bit afraid myself. Well, unfortunately, there was, uh, I mean, of course, that, uh, those screenings probably were very, uh, because East, Eastern, Eastern Jim Sartre right now, the, now that the, 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 all the nightclubs are gone uh, and they really, they were gone essentially started they started going away in what in the last decade or so. Yeah. Um. Since the last decade, the the East TSC area has been kind of dying slowly uh, economically. Um. It became sort of this tourist thing, like like you said. Uh. Love love. For some reason, we always see mainland tourists there now. Um. And um. You know, it's. Uh, I guess it kind of went out. It was to like I said, five houses, and that small house actually didn't used to exist. I think. Um. The houses used to be bigger, and then it got it got area had to be uh the, the right now where the DFS gallery 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 is, I think that used to be a cinema as well, part of cinema. Mm. So they already had to cut down the part of the cinema. Um, it's also very special because it's uh where a the the uh, Bollywood films, their weekly Bollywood screenings, 
uh, and Chinacam is in that area. I guess it was the cheapest cinema to rent. So it became the venue for these weekly Bollywood film screenings that um, only the, the, the local Indian population and really, really dedicated Bollywood fans uh, would try and seek out and they would go to the Chinacam every weekend. And you, uh, would have, you, you might have we might have talked about this before. You would actually have to go and book the tickets at Chungking Mansions, right? Yeah, I, I, I and I did actually. I've been going quite. Uh, I've been I went quite often uh, in the last year or year and a half or so. And yes, you have to walk into to to Chungking Mansions, go to one specific store, and actually get tickets there because they are the one who who are in charge of renting out the cinema. Yeah. Uh, and and you would see, you know, that guy will be there every every weekend, uh, every time there's a movie. A big stack of tickets, and all the and you know it'll be the entire Indian population of uh of Hong Kong and me, yeah, for for some time, um and you know it's quite a special cinema uh because there used to be premieres actually back in uh when it was um Hong Kong cinema used to be at its peak in the mid nineties um uh and I'm I'm getting this from radio uh ra- radio show stories that I've heard in the past week or two after the China Camp is closed that um there used to be uh, premieres held at the China Camp and this is the day when Leslie Chun, Andy Lau, Maggie Chun, they would show up at the same premiere. And then uh, they watch the movie and they walk across the street to the hotel and have coffee there after the film. Uh, and that would be a great place to start to, to spot the stars because, um, you know, this is when, when big stars are still getting along and they don't just show up and get pictures taken. They actually hang out and um, Chinatown was the place to do it. Yeah. Well, it's it's... It's sad that we won't be able to see any films there. And I, I think the thing that really kind of irks me is that I didn't even know about this. Um, I've been kind of, I guess, out of the loop um, in terms of uh, following the news and stuff of late. Just been so busy with work. But when they closed the Queen's Theater, um, they kind of had an announcement and they had, uh, you know, they, they people knew it was going to go. And they, they had some, you know, special screenings and things. And we, we actually went right before they closed it. We watched a terrible movie, from what I remember. I think we watched the the uh, what was it, uh, War? That um, yeah, you guys went. I, I I didn't go. Yeah, the the, the War, Jason, Jason, Lee, yeah. Jason Statham Jet Li uh, movie. It's yeah. called it was called War over here. I think it's got a different name over in the the states. But uh, you know, it's a terrible thing to watch. But it was like one of the last films they showed, and so it was nice to have a chance to sort of go and uh, be there for their the finale. But they didn't even really do that this time. Yeah, unfortunately, it was a very uh, sudden decision. Uh, per- according to "quote unquote" insiders, uh, the um, the corporation had been meaning to shut down its uh, entertainment division for a long time. They currently have two theaters, two cinemas. Still had uh, actually before the closing of China Cam, they have two cinemas. Uh, they have a China Cam, and they have um, a set of uh, four small cinemas in Twin Moon that are connected. I think mean, it's called the Paris London something something something. Uh, it's still there right now. But yeah, apparently the corporation is trying to uh, cut down on uh, or take out the entertainment division, and this is one of the first steps. And the 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 announcement of the the closing was literally happened on um, an hour before the actual official closing time that day. It was literally six p.m. on May twenty fourth. Uh, the staff put out a sign saying uh, the China Cam will be closed down that very day, and the final showing um, was at six twenty of the Halle Berry film, The Call. So it was very sudden closure. It kind of caught everyone by surprise. Yeah, that's too bad. They didn't even go out with a Hong Kong film. What a shame. Yeah. Uh, th- actually, we, I, I was reminded to talk about this on this week's show because uh, of uh, comments on our Facebook page. Uh, David Harris actually posted. Uh, he asked, uh, where the, he, he says, and I'll quote, the China Camp Cinema has closed. 
they were always super grouchy when I went, given that they were something approaching a 24-hour cinema, they're probably working long shifts. Last time I was there, A Simple Life in 2012, I had to stand right in front of the drink kiosk guy who was playing a portable games console for about five minutes to get served. Uh, and that's the kind of cinema that China yeah. Camp is. As, as crappy as it is... Well, uh, the, 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 uh, part, part of David's problem was he was buying food there. <laughs> <laughs> Any self-respecting cinema-goer knows you go over to 7-Eleven or you go to McDonald's, you stock up on stuff, or you go to the local shop to buy some uh, chips or something mean right? bow or some chips or some fish skins or something and you just bring your own stuff in there <laughs> and then uh, uh um another comment under that uh jared king uh friend of love hong kong film uh he said when when he saw young and dangerous reloaded there some young punks were smoking in the theater it was awesome yeah. um and yes actually the best uh, back in the early 90s when you know east tst was full of triad members they would uh the joke on the radio show that i heard was that in in the China camp, you can't not smoke. <laughs> yeah. You're going there, you have to smoke. I, 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 I think I recall a couple times people smoking uh, at a screening I was at there. And the seats, a lot of the seats were broken. Yes. The handles uh, were falling off. and yeah. Apparently, there were also uh, quite a few legends, actually, including uh, when, when new Hong Kong films opened the week before they would do these midnight shows. Essentially, it was kind of gauge audience reaction. And at the China camp, we're aware it's full of uh, these these triad kids. When they see the um, the executive producer or the boss's name on screen, they would clap their hands and go, "Yeah, Tai Lo, yeah." <laughs> uh, those were the days, eh? So, and David, I'm kidding. I I I, I hope you uh, know that I'm. It's all in jest. We know you're an awesome cinema goer. <laughs> And that you know the 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 entire year income uh, of the uh, China Camp snack bar was uh, was thanks to you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it uh, yeah, we're sorry to see it go, and uh, it 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 bodes it bodes ill for our favorite venue, the Dynasty. Um, that it's just one more of its siblings that is uh, that has gone by the wayside. It will be missed. All right. Well, speaking of new things, uh, we are just want to throw out a quick reminder for those who are in Hong Kong that Hong Kong Web Fest is this week. We talked about it a couple weeks ago um, with Mr. Marco Spomberg, and you can go to the website. Uh, we have the links. We've had the links on on, uh, on in our notes, and we'll put them up again. But just do a search on uh, Google Plus, on Facebook, on uh, General Google for Hong Kong Web Fest, and you will come to the site, and it will tell you all the rundown of who's doing what, where, and when, and we would urge you to get out and check it out. It's, it's some, some interesting stuff in the direction of new media and, and entertainment and uh, transmedia and where all that stuff is going. Um, so I'm hoping to pop out there for uh, at least a couple of the days, and then, Kevin, you're going to be hosting a Cantonese session on Friday, is that right? Yes, a Google Hangout session uh, with some local um, web series creators, uh, right, I believe. So. Um, if you're on the Google and you're speaking the Cantonese, uh, check it out. And they're having some other sessions in English and stuff with, I think, some Canadian groups and some other international groups, too. So if you're not that fluent in Cantonese, um, there's something that you can watch also on Friday. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not that fluent in Cantonese either. So yeah. Or English or Putonghua. <laughs> your French is great. As we. We. Oui. Oui. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please don't send hate mail. Uh, Kevin knows I'm kidding. All right. Uh, we've all, another reason this is a busy week too, and this is a bit more of a serious note as well. Uh, tomorrow is June 4th. 
and I think they're, you know, it's in the news. There's lots being discussed, a lot of political bickering going on around this time of year on, you know, various different sides. And this is not the show to really get into discussing uh, the politics, at least the politics that exist outside of film. Um, but uh, this is, again, uh, one of the reasons why we're kind of recording early, because we've got Hong Kong Web Fest later in the week. And uh, Kevin, you're going to be attending a rally tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah, every year um, there is a candlelight vigil uh, for the uh, for those who lost their lives in the uh, 1989. Uh, the so-called now now politically correct term is the Tiananmen Square incident. Incident, yes. Incident, yes. Um, yeah, and every year I've been going for the past few years, and I will go again tomorrow. All right. And our thoughts and prayers are going to be with everybody who's out there at that event and with Kevin as well. So just be sure to be safe. Don't get pepper sprayed. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for our news. Why don't we move on and actually talk about some film? All right. So we've got one screen film this week. And as we mentioned earlier at the top of the show, that is the latest from, or actually the, the newest film from uh, actress-turned-director Vicky Zhao. Um, now, she is fully behind the screen in this. She does not appear in front of the screen, much in the same way as uh, the film we talked about last time with The Christmas Rose, directed by Charlie Young. Um, quite a few comparative jokes were made uh, about these two films because, it, you know, we've got the similarity with the actresses taking up the director's chair. Um, so, the you know, it's easy to make comparisons, but I think, um, especially after um, Kevin gets a little bit into his discussion of it, um, it seems like the majority has fallen on, on one side with regard to the the directing chops of uh, in terms of the talent and whatnot. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. First, let me give you a quick breakdown of the story of So Young. So, this story follows a main character named Zhang Wei, who's a young, uh, vibrant Chinese girl. And it kind of starts off, um, you know, a little bit in her early life, but really very quickly jumps uh, into her life as she's going into university. Um, so we, we kind of follow along as she's going into the university and um, she's making new friends. And we come to find out that she was actually... Um, you know, a, a sort of a childhood boyfriend of hers was supposed to uh, got, got, kind of go along with her, um, but he's disappeared, um, supposedly uh, heading, heading off to America without telling her. And so she finds herself sort of adrift at the university, not really knowing anybody, and it starts to tell the story of her establishing her relationship with her four, um, three other roommates. So it's four, girl, four girls to a room. And over time, we are introduced to these characters slowly. Um, the first being um, the Ron Guang, uh, played by Jiang Shuying, who's sort of a rival because uh, she's very attractive and all the boys seem drawn to her. Zheng Wei is also attractive, and she seems to get a lot of the guys to like her too, but it seems like when Ron Guang is in the room, uh, she steals the limelight. And so initially, it sets, um, sets these two up as rivals. Um, there's also another girl named uh, Li Weijuan, who's um, she's a sort of sort of an oddball character. She's a bit of a neat freak, 
Um, and she's, you know, kind of got a quirky personality that she brings uh, to the to the group. And the final character is a girl named Zhu Zhaobei. Zhu, no, sorry, Blech. gotta get out my putonghua tongue. Zhu Xiaobei, and she is a bit of a tomboy. Um, doesn't really get into any sexuality at all. Um, but I, there are probably some questions that are raised there uh, in, in a couple of the scenes. Um, but pretty much this is a very light film in terms of um, those kinds of issues. And it really starts to just get into the budding friendship but between these girls and their sort of their life at college. And a lot of the time is spent focusing on Zhang Wei and her um, relationship with another character called uh, Chen Xiaosheng who's played by Mark Chow. And initially that relationship starts off as very sort of antagonistic and it very quickly turns to um, a very almost one-sided love um, with that love coming from Zhang Wei as she sees uh, this um, character as a possible replacement for her uh, childhood lover who seems to have, you know, sort of disappeared. Um, that kind of sets it up and then you've got a couple other supplementary characters uh this group of guys who all seem to sort of gravitate around Zheng Wei and who you know kind of uh, you know fluctuate back and forth in liking her a couple other characters liking the Ron Guang character um and we get little bits and pieces about these other characters her other roommates and what's going on with their lives and their relationships as well but most of the story is revolving around Zheng Wei. And I think that for the first two acts, or we could say for the, it's a two hour film, a little bit over two hours, the first hour and a half is kind of all set at the college, pretty much. And for me, that's when the film is okay. It's the final act or that final sort of 40 minutes that the film kind of takes a dump. Um, because what it does is it jumps to about 10 years later, which would, you know, is kind of more modern day. So the good, uh, it's not very time specific, but we get the idea that the kids are studying somewhere in the 90s. And, um, you know, it's sort of a, it, it's very idyllic. You know, they don't touch on any political things. There is no talk of June 4th or any of this kind of stuff, of course. Um, and, you know, it's just a basically a college movie for the most part. But then when they get to the modern era, it gets really kind of dour. And some would say realistic. I would say depressing and um, <laughs> not that, not all that interesting. And it does throw in a couple very kind of uh, typical plot devices. Um, and I say typical because apparently this film is based on a book that's also very popular. And the things that happen in the book, it changes quite a lot of those things. And it follows very typical movie conventions with some of the things it chooses to replace. And this part of the film, I really could have done without. I, it, it did nothing for me, and it made me like the film a whole lot less. If they would have ended the film at an hour and a half when the characters graduate with some kind of a, you know, a theme about life and the pursuit of love and happiness and going on to, you know, going forward, it would have been great. But then they had to kind of come in and, and uh, throw the modern portion in there and it just didn't work for me um that being said though i did enjoy the main character and you kind of have to enjoy the main character to really enjoy the film because she does carry quite a bit of it even though the other characters all have their moments but she is really channeling zhao wei vicky zhao 
I mean, seriously, seriously channeling her. And we had a discussion after the movie, and I kept wondering, you know, is a lot were a lot of these elements based? You know, is this autobiographical? Um, and because it's based on a book, most you know, everyone was saying not really. But I think the selection of this particular actress, um, Yang Jishan, was very specific because she somehow reminds Zhao Wei of herself. And especially in the college era, I mean, you can just, if you've seen like some of her early TV drama work and some of her early films, the bubbliness and sort of the giddiness and the likability of that character, those character traits for Vicky Zhao sort of come through. Her, her later stuff, she, you know, she, she tends to play a bit more. Uh, of, of a dour character a lot of times, you know, I think painted skin and, and stuff like that. But um, some of the early stuff that she did, the drama stuff she did, um, I think that uh, this particular actress was very specific in being chosen because she was able to um, carry off some of those ideas on the screen. The other thing to talk about, and this was a question that was brought up in the Q&A session, is that this film does kind of resemble uh, You Are the Apple of My Eye, the big hit from Taiwan. Um, I've heard people try and deny it. They say, no, this is nothing like that. It's kind of on its own thing, you know, and it's very, it's, you know, whereas that was kind of silly and, and very upbeat. This is kind of going in the other direction, but this is China. So, I mean, what other direction can they go? But, you know, in, in a more serious and, 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 well, <laughs> and practical, practical mode, right? I mean, it's very depressing in, in some ways, but, um, I do get the sense that they saw something that worked you know, going to sort of the college life, the nostalgia, touching on those things, getting people who were in in that in the '90s who are now a bit older, who are who are now you know people who are going to go out and buy movie tickets and go to see movies rather than watching DVDs in your dorm room, which is what college students were doing, which is what they were doing in this film. Um, you know, they're the ones who this is speaking to, and so on that level, it works. It worked for you know the Taiwan audience in Taiwan, and it's working for the China audience here. It's got a different message, and it's not exactly the same, but it's really very similar in many, many ways. Um, even the structure, because both films, you know, a good portion takes place in the college. It's about relationships between this, you know, very small clique. Um, and there's a central girl, and there's a fat guy, and, you know, then it jumps ahead, you know, 10 years, and, you know, there's confusion as to who likes who and so there's a lot of there's a lot of parallels that you can point to and you know i mean you are the apple of my eyes not very original in that either you could probably look to a dozen other um, college films doing similar stuff and for sure that film is much more risque in some of the stuff that it does um and that's not to say that this film isn't interesting um but i do think that you are the apple of my eyes much more entertaining because of the direction it goes in sort of the post-school era, whereas this film, still not really sure what it was trying to accomplish in that last act. Um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, it took me a while. I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I'd say that I still think I enjoyed this more than American Dreams in China. It's got a lot of similarity in some ways, but it's still a very different thing. And I think if I was going to watch one again... I'd want to watch this one again, but I'd probably turn it off when they when they graduate. <laughs> I think I'd just get back up to graduation, and, and that would be it for me. Um, whereas, I don't know if I'm ready to see American Dreams in China for quite some time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this one doesn't have, the, I don't know, there is a slight political message that you can kind of read into there, and maybe you'll talk about that, Kevin. Um, it didn't hit me as strongly in, in, in this. There, there's much more, um, there, there, there's much more politically that's happening, I think, in American Dreams in China. Um, and I think this is going to be a much more approachable film for an international audience than American Dreams in China. Um, but yeah, we did joke about sort of the comparisons between last week's Charlie Young uh, film and this week's Zhao Wei film. You know, technically, I think that this is probably a much stronger film than last week's film. I think both actresses have potential in the director's chair. Um, they just probably both need some more experience um, in doing that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this film. So I'd say that uh, if you're a Vicky Zhao fan, for sure, this is a see it. If not, you know, it's a TV it. Kevin? Okay, here we go. Okay, um, well, I, I'm going to start by responding a few things okay. uh, that Paul say. you said. Um, okay, you're the apple of my eye. The thing is, yes, I, I think you're the apple of my eye kind of reflects uh, very much the psyche. Uh, because the, the schoolyard thing is, is, the schoolyard genre is very popular in Taiwan. Um, and, you know... Uh, that's why I, when when Apple Mai came out, I felt it offered nothing new. I'm not sure. I didn't know why it was such a hit. Um, I think they found one thing that that other films hadn't done, and they found that one thing and became a hit. And that's because um, and that's the whole idea of the goddess, right? The one girl that everyone likes. Um, but in terms of tone, uh, the story, the 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 way that everyone is, the the characterization. Um, uh, it's all pretty much the same as as all the other schoolyard films I watched from Taiwan, and. The interesting thing about that film is that it's not just a high school film. It was so obsessed with the school culture that it went to school twice. It first, it, the first act went to a high school, and then most of the second half of the film is in a, or a good part of the second half of the film or a second act is in university. It's so obsessed with school that it had to go to two schools. Uh, to really get out everything that 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 um, Gittins had to say. So so um. For me, it's a lot different animal than yes. It, it on superficial level, it's about school. It's it's about nostalgia. It's about uh, coming of age. But I think So Young is something that's um, a different animal, and that's not particularly because of China. I think that's just the the message the, uh, of the um, the story. The story, the the name of the novel actually in Chinese, um, it's uh, translates to uh, uh, let me look up here to our youth that is fading away. So it, it's all about the fading of youth, um, and therefore, actually, it makes the first ninety minutes kind of a really over over long setup. Um, uh, but nevertheless, what it is, the first ninety minutes is a very very solid college romance film. I think um, it, it does have a lot of good comedic act aspects, but uh, it's, you know, it's mostly a romance. Um, but for me, if it just happened that first ninety minutes, it would have said nothing to me. The thing is, it, the the film wouldn't have said anything to me. You know, it's just been a romance. Uh, you know, just talk about ambition and the price of ambition and what you're sacrificing for ambitions and and little bits of you know little themes here and there. But if it had just ended at ninety minute mark, it wouldn't have said anything to me. Other than you know, it's a solid solid schoolyard film. Um, but more after that, uh, this is actually Vicky Zhao's graduation thesis. Uh, she went back to school. She went to get her uh, Master of uh, Fine Arts at the Beijing Academy of Film. And this is apparently her graduation thesis. And um, I think all film school students are probably uh, uh, really jealous or, 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 or 
I don't know, really jealous or totally looking up to, to Vicky Zhao if they see this film, you know, hoping that they could get Stanley Kwan to produce their graduation thesis or hoping to get 30 million RMB to produce their graduation thesis. Um, with that said, the direction is really fluid. Um, the, the, the characters are clearly established, are very well established. Um, actually, even though the script wasn't written by Vicky Zhao herself, it's written by, uh, it's actually written by, give me a quick second. It's actually written by Lee Chang, who, who also wrote, I think, The Postmodern Life of My Aunt, and is also writing uh, uh, um, Stanley Kwan's uh, a next film, a very well-known uh, script writer. Um, so it's solid. Very solid. Uh, Zhao is definitely a confident director with a very, very good team uh, behind the scenes. Um, actually, comparing American Dreams in China and this one, um, and like I said on Twitter, I think Peter Chan should be wondering why Vicky Zhao was able to pull off such a technical, technically accomplished film, and more so than his film. Um, I think Peter Chan needs to rethink uh, what he's doing behind the camera and how quickly he was shooting American Dream in China. And after seeing So Young, he should probably uh, rethink how he directs a little bit, uh, especially in China. Um, I think uh, the script does something that's very smart. It avoids, intentionally so, avoids naming the the year that the, the story takes place in. Um, it seems like it's late 80s, but it seems more early 90s at, at some point because they talk about watching DVDs. Um, and by not, by not naming a year, they don't have to dodge the Beijing student movement. Unlike uh, American Dreams in China, which totally skipped, for some reason, skipped over it. Um, from 1988 to 1992, uh, that whole period is like a blank in that film. Here, in So Young, um, they didn't even name a year, so they don't have to deal with it, which is uh, quite clever, I think. Um, on, in the cast, I think newcomer uh, Yang Jishang, uh, that's the one that looks like Zhao Wei. Um, I think she made a great impression. It's a very, very impressive um, uh, performance from a new and new actress. Um, on the men's side, I thought Mark Chow fared the best. Uh, as the 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 the, the uh, closest thing to a male lead, really, uh, as uh, as Zhang Wei's uh, boyfriend, um, poor Hangan. Uh, we were talking about Hangan earlier. He actually plays the the uh, childhood boyfriend uh, of Zhao Wei, and he doesn't really show up in the film until a hundred minutes in when it's you know it talks about the uh, the modern period. So um, the poor Hangan fans will have to wait a hundred minutes before they see their idol in action. Um, the first 90 minutes also kind of had these, these visual hints and, and I would say thematically, but, but at some points there were hints of Shuji Inwai in there. And, um, I guess that's where, uh, 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 uh Vicky Zhao's, uh, film school training comes in. Uh, and, uh, I really, really liked that first 90 minutes, uh, even though it really was too much because when they jumped ahead, uh, by the way, there's a real strange time jump because when they're adult, uh, the film suggests that. Or hints that it's only it jumps only three years after graduation, but even though they seem a lot older and seem like a lot more things that happen in between, so it looks more like maybe five to ten years, even though they the 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 script suggests that it's only been three years. Anyway, I thought that story really start in that modern section. Um, the first two thirds are really just all charm that sets up that punch in the gut that's in the last forty minutes because that's when reality sets in and the entire point of the film. I think the entire message of the film is that. Um, that youth is a fleeting thing and that it's something that lives in the past and that's something that will always stay in the past and that's something that uh, I think is a really important message and I think that's the, 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 the overall message of the film. So therefore, the, the, the contemporary section should be taking up more of the film than, than what it is right now. Um, it felt like that part was kind of uh, clumsily edited and clumsily put together in order to put the 
uh, shortened the film to a releasable length. Uh, right now, it runs 130 minutes. Um, and I felt there was a real lack of balance. Um, I, and and actually, and I like pessimistic films. So so I totally understand the message. And I was hoping, I was looking forward to how seeing how Vicky Zhao uh, delivers that message. But I thought it was kind of clumsy and, um, you know, um, events rushed by. Uh, and you know things are never properly set up, and uh, the whole part felt really poorly put together, which is kind of sad because um, what started out so good kind of ends on a sour note uh, to me. Um, and I thought it was a solid four star film uh, until that last forty minutes when it kind of drops to uh, to three and a half uh, at the most. Um, still, it's a really great directorial debut. Um, it really goes down on a technical level. It went down a lot easier for me. Than Christmas Rose or or American Dreams in China, um, I think it's um, one of the most one of the best commercial directorial debuts I've seen from China in a long long time. Um, certainly one of the best commercial uh, Chinese films this year I've seen so far. Um, and uh, I think I hope Vicky Zhao does doesn't didn't put essentially didn't put her eggs in one basket or or I guess the 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 uh, figure of speech I'm looking for is that you know she didn't blow her load in one film. Um, I, I think that's the way to put it. Uh, but you know, I, I really hope that there's a lot more gas in the tank. <laughs> I guess <laughs> okay, that's the right one. A little more gas in the tank uh, of I guess Jawei, the director, because I really look forward to what she does um, in the future. Because I think this is such a such a promising start to to what could be a really great directorial uh, career for her. Um, so I say I say see it for yeah. sure. Um, um, like you said, I think this is better than. Uh, your Dapo Ma. I think this is better than High Noon. Um, I think this movie has real scope. There's real vision. There's real, um, there's real directing going on here. And uh, yeah, actually, you know, the first ninety minutes is really a great, great film for me. So uh, yeah, I, I actually quite like So Young, despite despite how it ended. Mm. Yes, uh, Lao Ching Wan approves. So good. Yes, I know. So good. Yeah, I kind of so, wish what they would have done is they would have, they would have maybe considered doing this as two films, you know, doing yeah, the, think, doing doing part one as the, you know, the whole uh, school period, and then expanding out the, you know, that last section. I think you could have easily done it. You could have put in more material. Maybe it's not in the book, but they already embellished on so much anyway. Well, because maybe. there was so much that was kind of like just jumping around and so many things that were left out with these characters. And, you know, there were just points to where, you know, things pop up and you're like, wait a minute. Why, you know, why they just showed something and, and they didn't really expand on it or they they started seeming to, you know, I think for me, the biggest disappointment was um, with the tomboy character, um, Zhu Xiaobei. She, but she has she had one of the best film best scenes in the film. Yeah, she does. And 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 then, you know, they you think they touch on her a little bit in the you know, in the uh in sort of that 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 modern sequence that last 40 minutes. But it's not really clear and th- there's just so much more they could have done with that. You know, it's like what's the purpose of of her? It's just like and and that happens with a lot of the other characters too and in a way it's just like Okay, this is where people are right now, and but it doesn't really go into any kind of message or meaning or, you know. And I guess that's okay. And I think that's maybe one of the things you were saying you liked when we were talking about it afterwards is that 
it's more real in that sense. But, you know, again, I don't want to see reality necessarily in a cinema. You know? <laughs> but I'm, I'm reading the uh, synopsis of the book right now. But, um, you know, the original, the, the, the idea of the book is that this woman, her life and, and being surrounded by these two men, which is the, the, the college boyfriend character played by Mark Chow and the childhood lover played by Han Gan. And, sure. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic, you know, love triangle, but yes, we've got love triangles all the time. I mean, no, 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 I, I'm not, I'm, it's not a response. I'm just continuing what we were saying about the, you were saying about how the modern section uh, could have been a lot longer. And yeah. actually, it seems like in the book, it is a lot longer yeah. because that's the, when the real love triangle is. And it never really came to fruition in the, in the film. No, it didn't. Um, yeah. And then there were just, there, there's, there, even with this, with the, with the other characters like Juan, Ron Guan and, and some of the others, it seems like there's a lot more they could have done. Yes, you know, it's just you just get this like it's almost like a snapshot of okay, this is what they're doing now, and here's this character, and here's this yeah. character, and okay, back to Zheng Wei, and and oh, you know, uh, Mark Chow's back, isn't he? Isn't he great? Isn't he awesome? You know, I, um, I wouldn't have mind sitting for at least fifteen more minutes of that film. I think would have been fine for me. Yeah, you know, if it meant a more a more satisfying uh, finish and a better a more balanced narrative structure, I wouldn't have mind sitting through a hundred and forty five minute film. But of course. You know, for for a directorial debut, you know, uh, you know, uh, with un, uh, not 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 proven commercial actors, they didn't know it was going to make this much money at the time. It would have been a real commercial risk to make a hundred and forty five minute directorial debut. I mean, not even, uh, you know, if only Feng Xiaogang could do something like this, make something that would be that long. So I could see why they did it, but um, yeah, I would have liked the longer film as myself. Yeah, C plus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she passes. Um, all right. Uh... I think we've uh, opined enough about So Young. And uh, so there's our thoughts, and we're going to move on. East Green, West Green. All right, so for our West Screen film this week, it's the latest from Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, that is, um, with the film The Great Gatsby, a film that, um, based on, of course, a great novel uh, that I've never read, unfortunately. And uh, it's also been, this is like, I, if I remember the Wikipedia entry correctly as I was uh, digging up the notes, uh, this is the fifth time this story has appeared in film form. Um, and I've never seen any of the other films. So um, I'm thinking of having like a mini film festival. of uh, all, just All Gatsby all, all day? Yeah, all Gatsby all day. Uh, you know, we'll call it the, Gats, the, the Gatsby Film Fest. Yeah. <laughs> um, because With, yeah, I had no idea I, that it that it actually had that many um, that many incarnations. So I'm kind of interested to go and and see them all and see the differences now. Um, but you've seen the film at least, and uh, you're here, here going to tell us about it, right? I have seen the film, and uh, that's the new Lerman version. And uh, right now, I'm actually holding a copy of the novel that I bought a year or two ago when I told myself, "Man, I should really buy these, you know, literary classics and, and read them all because I didn't really get to, I guess, uh, during my school career and I never opened it for like a good two years. So I'm just looking at it right now and um, I'll just read these, these short plot synopsis from the back because honestly, I don't think Boss Lerman knows how to tell a story. So um, in The Great Gatsby, Fitzgerald and that's F. Scott Fitzgerald brilliantly captures both the disillusion of a post-war America and the moral failure of a society obsessed with wealth and status, but he does more than render the essence of a particular time and place for in chronicling Gatsby's tragic pursuit of his dream, Fitzgerald recreates the universal conflict between illusion and reality. 
uh, this is not the movie, unfortunately. Uh, in the film, um, uh, uh, Toby Maguire plays Nick Carraway. Uh, in the film, it, it follows the uh, repeats the the Moulin Rouge structure in a way that Nick Carraway starts out. Um, it's already past the events of the film, and then he's in a sanatorium. He's writing writing the things that brought him to 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 uh, to the sanatorium, and I guess he's in a sanatorium because uh, he's an alcoholic uh, and he's depressed. Um, and he starts writing about what led him there, and that was um, when he just got out of um, uh, uh, when he came back from the war. I think he moves to New York uh, to become a bond salesman, and then he rents a house uh, on Long Island um, next to a huge, huge mansion that's owned by a guy named Gatsby, Jay Gatsby, uh, and we find out that it's actually owned by Leonardo, uh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, um, and. And uh, as his neighbor, he he is uh, drawn into the Gatsby's world of glamour and whatever. Um, and but then soon realize that Gatsby is not just um, some rich playboy, you know that that who puts on parties. It's actually there's a, actually a, um, a a a a a motive behind everything, uh, and that has something to do with um, uh, that has something to do with Daisy Buchanan. Um, the wife of Nick Carraway's uh, cousin, I think, Tom, a oh, college acquaintance. Sorry, I'm reading the the, the thing here. Um, uh, and if you've read the book, you know what happens. So I'm not going to spoil for any of you, and I won't. Um, that's a simple plot synopsis of The Great Gatsby. Um, this is The Great Gatsby, a la Baz Luhrmann. Uh, this is a guy who brought you uh, uh, Moulin Rouge and and Australia. So like it or not, this is his film and it's very much his film. And it's very much his style. This means it's very flashy. It's very stylish. Um, there's a lot of use of modern music for some reason for some, uh, Jay-Z apparently provided a lot of songs on the soundtrack. So you hear things like uh, a Beyonce song at one point, or uh, you see a car of um, partiers listen to a Jay-Z song uh, all of a sudden. Um, so it's very much the everything but the kitchen sink approach. And I can understand why Lerman does that. You know, he's trying to kind of equate the, the, the rich and famous and the past in 1920s pre depression America. And, um, in a way he's trying to parallel that with, with today's rich and famous and their lifestyle, um, to show that nothing's really changed. Um, and I guess that's one shallow way of looking at it. Uh, the film is very much about I think he's very very interested in Gatsby's uh, glamorous life, and uh, I'm not sure if he's so interested in uh, critiquing the rich, but more like depicting the lives of the rich. Um, uh, and and if you're into that, if you want to see how Lerman does that, this is the film for you. Uh, however, for me, the harder Boss Lerman tried to get contemporary viewers uh, to to get into the film with these flashy style uh, stylish stuff like like the quick cutting, the 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 music. Um, he he pumps up the volume at, at, at certain places. Um, he even has a te- uh, actual text from the book on screen being read out as, at points. Uh, I think the more he used those techniques, the more it lost me. The more it's apparent what he was trying to do, and I f- I kind of felt I got pulled out of the film just seeing Baz Luhrmann do all this uh, style. I think the film worked better when Baz Luhrmann is just trying to shoot a straightforward drama, and uh, there's quite a few. Good scenes in the second half when when the uh, when we find out the truth and we are playing on a level playing field, uh, we know what's going on and and there's real tension uh, in the drama as is, uh, as you know more and more about Gatsby is being revealed and 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 being confronted by the characters. 
um, for me, the film really works at those places. Not when Barcelona is trying to draw us into this 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 stylish world and you know with uh, special effects and flying around New York and things like that. Um, uh, performance wise, I think Leonardo DiCaprio was fine as Gatsby. Um, he's an ideal choice because uh, you know on the surface. There's the, you know, he's a handsome playboy, young playboy, really rich. And Leonardo DiCaprio pulls that off in his sleep. And, you know, towards the end, when when his his facade is kind of, you know, pulled off, um, you know, Leo can pull it off dramatically. Just not, you know, I don't think, I just don't think the Lerman script gave him a lot to do. Um, Tobey Maguire, uh, Nick Carraway. Uh, Carraway is a very, he's observant, he's an observer character, so he doesn't really do much in the film, and in that sense, this is something like a role that Tobey Maguire would take like 10 years ago. He would do it way, 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 uh, 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 way, you know, before he he did Spider-Man, before he started taking lead roles. Um, this is something that he would do. I don't think this is something that, you know, he should be doing now. It's not really the right point at his career. And it's really strange to see him uh, being a, uh, embodying a character that does so little. Uh, and kind of distracting because you're watching Tobey Maguire, you're like, this is Spider-Man, but it's not really doing anything in this movie. Um, uh, so, so, so it's a little strange. Um, I wouldn't say it's miscast because, like I said, he would be he would be totally be at home uh, 10 years ago in his role and it still is. So I guess that kind of says more about the progress of Tobey Maguire as an actor more so than uh, 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 Tobey Maguire, Maguire uh, performance abilities. Um, the rest of the cast is okay. I think uh, Joe Egerton is, is very intense as, as Tom, the, the the husband of Daisy. Uh, Daisy Buchanan, um, played by Kelly Mulligan, is it's kind of like a you know she's the the femme fatale in a way. Um, so you know she's okay in that way. Um, unfortunately, this is the the film where a filmmaker is trying to compete with the actors for attention. And it's really unfortunate because you can tell there's kind of a push and pull. The actor's trying to perform, but the director's trying to show off. And there's a real push and pull in a way that, again, the audience kind of gets left behind. Um, I watched it in 2D, and, and even then, it's still kind of tiring to watch by the end. Fortunately, I didn't watch it in 3D. The film was shot for 3D, and you could tell at certain points that there are some effects done for 3D. But I watched it in 2D, and you know, the film at 140 minutes is still kind of tiring to watch. Um, I've never, like I said earlier, I've never read the book. And if I had just seen the film, just this version of the film or, or the, of the, uh, of the book, I think the significance or the, why the book is so famous, uh, I think that would have been lost on me because all I see here is, you know, rich and famous, rich and famous, rich and famous. Um, the real critique of the rich isn't really here. The, the whole thing about post-war America isn't really here. Um, the tragic, the pursuit of Gatsby's dream, uh, kind of there, but it's not really. A, it's still kind of overshadowed by by Lerman's uh, obsession with glamour and and flashiness. Uh, like I said, and on that note, the production value is great. It's a hundred twenty five million dollar movie, um, and and it's all on the screen. So so I guess that's worth watching, um, and also that makes it worthy of a matinee. You know, the idea of watching on a big screen. So. Um, you know, if you can catch cheap showing, I think I think it's worth seeing. Otherwise, uh, it's okay. You know, it's not really a great film. It's definitely not as good as Moulin Rouge. Um, uh, so otherwise, TV it. I think. All right. Um, just a quick question: Do you get a sense that um, maybe he's trying to 
work this in to fit the whole, you know, 99%, 1% occupy movement kind of a meme? If, if the thing is, that's what the book is apparently is more about, right? The book is a critique uh, and about their, uh, the richest um, cowardice and, and, and their inaction and their inability and all that stuff. But here it, it's kind of lost on what it is, what's there on the surface. Hmm unfortunately and it's lost on all that style it's lost on that melodrama stuff about the romance and and you know you know and and all that stuff so so it's kind of so yeah it's not really it what should be it should be there but it's not really there. so maybe this really isn't the great gatsby maybe it's just like a lost level of inception there's like gatsby the 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 the, the um gatsby the um the dreaded ex-boyfriend okay that's what it is <laughs> In regards to Leo, I mean, is again, I haven't seen the film, and I'm I'm kind of curious to get out and see it. I'd like to see some of the other ones first, though, um, because yeah, I I don't really know, and I don't want you to spoil it, obviously, but I don't really know the nature of the role he's playing. Um, but I get a sense that it's somewhat similar to his last role from uh, Django Unchained. Oh no 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 no! It, it, um, he kind of starts think... off as a. You're not you're not really clear of his character, and then it turns out that he's you know, um, you know he's he's a bit darker than you thought, or not not like no, that. No, I don't I don't know about darker because well I mean in 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 Django he's clearly Gatsby is the villain, mm-hmm. clearly the villain. Uh, I don't really care his background. Um, and and besides he's not hiding who he he wasn't hiding who he is in Django. There's nothing to unveil. He's really just this one note villain. Um, here he, you know he's the mysterious he's the kind of the how do I say it? it's like you're Andy Lau fan and then you live next to Andy Lau and then Andy Lau comes out and you know, he's really Andy Lau-ish and they realize <laughs> that Andy Lau didn't start out as Andy Lau and that you realize why Andy, how Andy Lau became Andy Lau mm. and you find out his, his hard, dark past, you know, so it's still Andy Lau when you're on screen is really charming. He's a good guy. He, in the end, he's just a genuinely good guy. But, but then of course he has a past that, you know, that that he's not he's not totally genuine. That's what it is. So it's like if if Andy Lau, you know. So I just, yeah, I mean the Andy I Lau. Love, I love that adjective, Andy Lauish. Yes, Andy Lauish. I'm gonna yes. use that. That's and really I do cool. know Andy Lau's dark past. <laughs> he was cabin boy for Wong Jing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. We love you, Andy. We always will. So, yeah, I can't wait for the Hong Kong remake. The great Andy Lau. The great Andy. <laughs> the great Andy. The great Andy. Yeah, the great Andy. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there it is, The Great Gatsby. Uh, get out and see it and maybe see some of the other ones while you're at it. All right, I think it's time for this. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Right, uh, we had a comment from uh, our, was it our last episode or two episodes ago uh, from our friend and listener Matt S, who wrote in. He said, "Well, I've enjoyed the new Star Trek movies. Something has definitely felt amiss, so I could definitely buy the Mirror Mirror theory." So you'll remember we talked a little bit about uh, Simon Pegg. I think it was over on Io Nine. 
um, had mentioned that uh, he thought that maybe what was what was going on was J.J. Abrams was building the Mirror Universe. Um, for, so for those fans of the original series, you'll know the, what the Mirror sort of alternate or evil universe is. Um, and that idea is that with the Spock coming over to this new timeline and the changes that we're all seeing that were, you know, the, the, the original Trek fans are kind of unhappy with, it's actually building this other universe. Um, other people I've talked to said they don't think that uh, they could go in that direction um, and that that would just, you know, be a very sort of dark, dark ending um, if that's where they actually went with a third film, if they do a third film. Uh, he says also that Kirk is kind of a butthole, uh, for starters, and actually admits he's a bad captain. Uh, he doesn't have uh, much in common with Shatner's Kirk. Um, would certainly be a bold way to end the trilogy. And I, yeah, I think I agree with Matt on that point. Um, Chris Pine just really hasn't done it for me as uh, as Kirk. I know a lot of people really like him as Kirk, um, but he doesn't. I don't know. He just he seems far too jerky, and I I think that you know. A lot of people might say that Shatner's a jerk, uh, but uh, Kirk didn't come across quite as jerky uh, in the original series to me. Um, maybe he was a jerk to work with, and, you know, if you've read the stories, you know, about him and his ego and stuff like that, maybe that's hard, that's easy to believe, but the character I saw Galaxy of Kirk, Quest. What, what's that? I saw Galaxy Quest. Yeah. I know the truth. <laughs> you know the truth. We know the truth. <laughs> yeah. Go watch Galaxy Quest, so... Um, so thanks to Matt for writing in, and um, you know it'll be interesting to see if we do get a third film or not. There's still a lot of rumors flying. Uh, JJ's going to be all wrapped up with the Star Wars stuff. All right, I think that's going to do it, folks. As always, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can uh, get in touch with us over at the website. That is Kongcast.com, or you can drop by iTunes and give us a look up uh, East Screen, West Screen, the show, and uh, drop us some feedback over there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. The show's Twitter is twitter.com slash Kongcast. And I would urge you to follow Kevin over at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. Um, you know, follow him for all your movie news updates and stuff like that. Uh, you can follow me, but I don't tweet that much these days. And when I do, it's usually about some obscure Florida story or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's twitter.com slash foxlore if you're interested in that at all. If you'd like to write us directly at the show, it is a Gmail. That is eastscreen at gmail.com. Send us some comments, a few questions, or even a short audio file, and we'll play it here on the show. And we're on the Facebook, facebook.com slash eastswests. If you want to drop us a line over there, we'd be happy to hear from you as well. And if you're going to be in Hong Kong and you'd like to come out to one of our movie group nights, which will never again be able to happen at the Silver Cord, moment of silence. And yeah, but if you'd like to, uh, you know, or, sorry, not Silvercord, China Kim. What, what am I well, Silvercord's also gone, but yes. Yeah, Silvercord was, <laughs> was gone earlier. I'm getting all my, my, my dead cinemas mixed up now. Uh, the China Kim, excuse me. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to be part of our um, movie groups, you're going to be in Hong Kong, drop us a line, drop me a line over on Google Plus, and I can uh, sort of get you sorted out with when and what we'll be seeing and when all that's happening. And also a quick reminder that WebFest is happening that this week. If you're in Hong Kong, look up WebFest and uh, come out to some of the events going on for that. Um, so, yeah, catch us on Stitcher as well. If you don't like iTunes, if you're iTunes-averse and you don't want to listen to us streaming through the website, you can listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phone uh, via Stitcher. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. 
Stitcher Smart Radio. It's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support of our little show. Additional thanks to Rob Gubbers of Snauzer Studios for our theme, Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com for helping us organize movie nights here in Hong Kong. Of course, the K-Man for being with me for uh, 148, soon to be 149 episodes, and we, again, wish you all the best tomorrow in the candlelight vigil. Be safe. And, of course, all of you, the listeners, um, we like doing the show because you like listening, and so we thank you for your support and all your feedback. Next show, 149. Uh, we're going to be looking at a couple films, maybe. Uh, Wedding Invitation is a new Taiwan film, right? No, China, China-Korea co-production. China with um, Eddie China. Pang and uh, Bye Bye He, right? Bye Bye He. Bye Bye He, yeah. Bye Bye He. Uh, I don't know why. I always want to call her Bye Bao He. I don't know. Something wrong with that. Um, so, yeah. The, um, the, 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 it's a romantic comedy, I'm guessing. Uh, romantic tearjerker, some comedy-ish thing, I think. Okay, yeah. So, um, I'm still trying to get the taste of love you, you out of my mouth. <laughs> um so yeah I, i'm trying to get 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 love you out of more than much more than <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's coming up this week a wedding invitation also the uh the newest film from the smith family uh after earth sci-fi film so i'm probably gonna definitely try and get out and see that i think we've got the hangover three although i've heard terrible terrible th- reviews um, I'll probably watch that actually. Coming out of that, but I, I think my I think my better half wants to get out and see that because she's liked the she liked the she loved the original Hangover, Hangover two not so much, but I think she'll want to see it in the trilogy. And I'll so, probably see see it too. Yeah. So you know, looks like we'll have a couple things to talk about next time. So all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen West Screen wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Sweet way.